Good afternoon and welcome to Achieving Business Continuity and Operational Excellence with Location-Based Intelligence, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Infor. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO and I'll be your moderator today. We're looking forward to your participation, so send in your questions or comments as they occur to you and we will take them later in the program. Nice way to view the screen, click on the top center, get it in side-by-side mode. Then you can use the slider to adjust the uh, boxes, get them the size you want them. And it should say speaker view in the top right-hand corner. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, first uh, we're going to hear from our panel uh, featuring Suzanne Roloff, Director of Innovation and Care Transformation of Oregon Medical Group, Dr. Vipul Lakhani, Medical Director of Quality and Patient Safety, also with the Oregon Medical Group, and Megan Butler, Clinical Solutions Advisor with Infor. So without any further delay, we're going to get started. Um, Dr. Lakhani, let's start with you. Can you give us an overview of your organization and role, and tell us what role you play in the um, purchasing of technology initiatives? Sure. Thank you, Anthony. And uh, again, thank you for inviting me to uh, speak here um, and welcome to everyone else on the call. Um, so our organization uh, is a multi-specialty um, care organization uh, in Oregon, uh, primarily uh, primary care based. Uh, we do have a few medical and surgical subspecialties. Uh, total number of providers, Suzanne, correct me if I'm wrong, is probably upwards of about 100 to 150, somewhere in that range. And the entire organization is almost 800 people. Um, and uh, my role uh, primarily, uh, aside from clinician uh, in the endocrinology department, uh, is also to be medical director of quality and patient safety. Um, as far as role uh, with technology, um, I don't necessarily make decisions with regards to technology for the entire organization. As far as purchasing, we do have a medical director of information technology. However, um, I will say that uh, when these things, which they often do impact uh, aspects of quality and our patient safety, um, many times it's, it comes across uh, my email stream these days or my desk uh, and in meetings to, to provide input as far as that goes. Uh, and um, was part of initially piloting the real-time uh, location services that was done in our building where our uh, endocrinology subspecialty was located. So hopefully All right, very good. good. Yeah, very good, thank you. Uh, Suzanne? Yes, thank you. And again, thank you for including me as well. Uh, my name is Suzanne Roloff, as Anthony said, Director of Innovation and Care Transformation is a very kind of big and broad title. Um, and my main role in the organization is to help the care delivery stream improve in process improvement. So that could be anything from something along the lines of our uh, location-based technology to um, improving workflows. We've obviously had quite a bit of innovation in 2020. With COVID, it feels like the year of innovation and, and all the different technology pieces that we've gone through over the past year. Uh, and ClinicTrack is the, the product that we use in the building Dr. Lakani is referring to. 
and it has been instrumental for us in, in processing all the different challenges of this year. Very good. Megan? Yes, my name is Megan Butler. I'm a Clinical Solution Advisor at N4, and my role in supporting organizations and making a selection for the technology that they want to purchase is to continually understand what your organizational needs are, what your strategic plans are, um, and how we can help you make a, you know, informed decision about what you license and what you implement for location-based intelligence, which Oregon Medical Group has internally branded as, as clinic track. And I think that that speaks to the nature of our, our software application and how much we just want to integrate and embed ourselves with the day-to-day -day operations of organizations that we're present at. So my role is just helping people make sure they get what they really need. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. Looking forward to the discussion here. Suzanne, let's start with you. Can you explain how location-based intelligence and RTLS is used at your organization for both day-to-day -day operations as well as how it's leveraged by leadership? Sure. The building that we have our location-based intelligence at is a two-floor building, and it houses seven specialties along with physical therapy and our imaging department. So on a regular day, we probably average about 500 people going in and out through the building to the various departments. Because of the location-based intelligence, we've been able to accomplish this with a single floor check-in. Um, we have a concierge role who uses the platform um, if the patient has checked in online to just automatically assign a room to a patient, almost as if you're checking into a hotel. We have maps in our, our building and signage. And so the patient does what's called self-rooming and they take themselves to their exam room. The technology allows us to know that there's no other patient in that room. Um, it allows for communication with the medical assistants to um, indicate to our concierge or our front desk folks that the room has been cleaned and is ready to take a patient so that we don't send a patient to a dirty room. And because of that, then it allows more time for the medical assistant and the doctor to spend time with the patient and, and also to spend time doing other things because purely they have not taken the time to go walk to the lobby, get the patient and walk them back to the room. And it's been incredibly helpful for that, especially in COVID um, and all the different pieces that we've had to put in place for that. We had a few departments that hadn't started self-rooming yet. And as soon as the pandemic hit, we moved them to self-rooming. Um, we have in our exam rooms, I'm sorry, in our lobby, we probably only have about 20 chairs to accommodate over 500 people coming through the building because of self-rooming. So it's been an incredible platform for us to use in that mode of patient care. Suzanne, I'm thinking of like a chicken or egg scenario with the technology here. Was this the kind of thing where you said, we want to do this, we want this flow to happen for patient safety and all this kind of thing. Is there technology that can help us do this? Or did you find the technology first and say, oh, this will help us do something that can be very beneficial from a clinical point of view? That's a great question. We we implemented the, the program when we opened a new building. And it, 
it was the problem was we have this small lobby, this small front office area, and we know we're going to be seeing about 500 people. What are we going to do for this very small lobby, knowing that traditional grooming was not going to work? And then we sought out the technology to help us try to solve that problem. Interesting. Started with the building, working, mm-hmm. you know, with the building. Yeah. Very and just a logistical, right? You can, sometimes right. you can't make lobbies bigger and lobbies are wasted space in a medical office. Before. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lacani? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Megan. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say one of the unique things that I know that many other healthcare entities are also navigating is that Oregon Medical Group, when they opened up that new building, it was new to Oregon Medical Group, but it wasn't 100% new construction. They didn't necessarily have, some people might be familiar with an on-stage, off-stage environment. They didn't have the luxury of designing things, and it's a very unique floor plan where they don't have clear line of sight to all of their exam rooms at nursing stations even. So having a technology in place that met their pain points to be able to support patient flow and provide visibility um, to patients, Suzanne referenced the the map view of where people are in real time, um, leveraging technology. So just wanted to add Hmm. in that way. Well, that's very interesting. It makes makes me think that if you if you have this knowledge when you're going into selecting a new building, it gives you more freedom because otherwise you might say, well, this isn't going to work. That's not going to work. But now with this, you have more options. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And we might get into it later in the, the discussion, too. But I imagine that um, it relates to many people on the call, the use of space um, and that you're not always just designing a new building when you're making mm-hmm. changes to services. Maybe a department is expanding or you're changing the function or use of a room and you want to make a data-driven decision about that. And so when you have technology in place, you can understand your current patient flow or you have the confidence that you'll be able to maintain quality patient care in operations even with a different dynamic. You can be more fluid um, in your changes and use of resources and minimize um, some of the, the headache that can come with new facility openings or bigger construction projects or, you know, things like that. Dr. Lacani, your thoughts? Yeah, um, uh, just a couple of maybe thoughts to uh, maybe place a personal uh, light on this. So I think there were Uh, concerns when initiating a technology like this that patients might uh, not know how to use it or have difficulties with it or or providers might find it to be um, strange or or new like anything when it's when a change is introduced uh, there's a there's a question about the adoption of it and the behaviors with it Um, but I think Almost universally, patients appreciate the fact that they're not waiting in a waiting room uh, for extended uh, hours or not hours, but minutes uh, and and, and (laughs) not in front of their provider doing the things that they need to be doing. Uh, Providers were pleased to see that their patients were making it into their rooms pretty well. Uh, It freed up time for back office staff uh, so that they weren't, again, even taking the 15 seconds to go out and grab a patient. You do that 20 times a day. Uh, they could maybe get on the phone call and, and update a med- prescription with a patient or something while a patient was rooming themselves. So this idea of self-rooming was quite um, useful. Um, 
And then again, during the pandemic, uh, minimizing people's time in a closed in space was one of our, our things that we wanted to try and uh, make sure we could do. And for at least our office, it wasn't as much of an issue only because patients came in, they were assigned their tracking badge in the room and they went straight to the room and we knew that it was okay. Otherwise they would wait in their vehicle outside. So um, we felt it was quite uh, useful, uh, particularly during this pandemic, which again, this, this technology was uh, deployed a couple of years ago, so we had no idea that it might be useful in a pandemic in such a way. So in, in terms of your chicken egg question, it sort of naturally was useful in that in that scenario. So just some thoughts on on it. Um, well, that's really that's I think that's an interesting and an important point, Suzanne, that this was selected and this was rolled out pre pandemic. Uh, it seems that it, it only became even more useful after, you know, during the pandemic, but it tells me that, you know, you don't have to say to yourself, well, when the pandemic dissipates and the vaccines roll out, this is not going to be as useful. No, you, you picked it before. Very so what are your thoughts there? Yes, very much so. Um, it, w it was such a new concept for us to, to adopt this self-rooming technique. Uh, and who knew? <laughs> Who knew at the time um, the, the types of benefits? And I think we'll get to that later in the conversation. I could speak to some of the COVID-type benefits that we've had with our technology. Um, but it has primarily been used to also help us identify flow issues for our different providers and departments. If people are waiting, what's happening, it's given us raw data to be able to really leverage that across the the whole building to identify where there might be a problem or a process improvement needed. Yeah. Very and good. Go I, ahead, Megan. If I may, for the benefit of our audience, um, who may or may not be familiar with different RTLS technology, if I could just speak a little bit to that so we can have that context in this conversation, that the way that we're operating is we have real-time uh, locating system put in place where we're leveraging uh, hardware infrastructure and M4 is hardware agnostic so we can consume a variety of different data, whether that's uh, Wi-Fi or infrared or ultrasound or BLE. And then they are utilizing um, data that's being automatically and continuously updated. So there's no active need for someone to change a status of a room or for a, a staff member to document that I'm now encountering a patient. That happens just by, um, as Suzanne mentioned, like the room is noted as available, a patient walks in, now it's updating that milestone and location status. Now when a staff member walks in, that is automatically being updated. And what Oregon Medical Group has in place is our clinic solution. So that workflow, um, it's designed to accommodate nonlinear workflows. So whether a patient goes to lab first and then to endocrinology and maybe they have a, a foot exam with podiatry after that, it can accommodate that workflow or it can accommodate someone that's just coming in for a single appointment. Um, again, all automatically updated um, and captured continuously, which leads to Suzanne's comment about having that objective data uh, on hand to be able to make informed decisions. 
Megan, audience question. Maybe you can answer this. Uh, what kind of tracking device or software do you use? I think they're talking about at the Oregon Medical Group. I assume some some of that's in for. Like, what are you providing? Yeah, I'm not sure what the question is getting so at, but go ahead. Infor, yeah, Infor is the software company. Um, it's previously known as Intelligent Insights. So that's what's deployed at Oregon Medical Group um, to enable the visibility for the real-time locating. And then, as I mentioned, we're hardware agnostic. Um, what uh, Oregon Medical Group has implemented is an infrared technology, but should they want to switch that out and go just with Wi-Fi or BLE in the future, they can maintain the user interface um, and technology. And then from an integrations perspective, um, we're a enterprise locating solution at Infor Location Based in Technology is so we can integrate with different CMMS systems or EAMs if you're using our asset module or with EHRs um, or notification systems, our ability to send push notifications and things like that directly to email or to connect with communication systems themselves um, if you use that as well. So kind of think of it not only as the software element, but how it sits and fits in with the rest of your technology suite, which for our audience of CIOs, I'm sure you're thinking of as I take on a new solution, what's that going to mean? How is it going to play with everything else that I own? Uh, what's going to be the uplift and sustainment of the technology that I'm putting in place? And we love to partner with people and understand what their requirements are and help them make the right menu selection, so to speak, of what Infor offers, as well as what's going to be the best fit for them um, at their organization. All right, very good. All right, next question, Dr. Lakani, let's start with you on this. <clears throat> How have you successfully maintained patient experience, you know, in light, in spite of the concern over infection? Um, your thoughts there? Yeah, so, um, and I'm presuming you're making, speaking specifically about the pandemic and how we've worked with that and technology. Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think uh, we had to pivot fairly rapidly at the beginning of the pandemic in, in mid-March uh, when the entire state went on, um, uh, for lack of a better term, lockdown uh, uh, at the time. Uh, uh, and so we quickly pivoted to the ability to do uh, phone call visits, uh, which very rapidly transformed into telehealth visits using um, uh, a web-based system that allowed us to be able to manage patients through telehealth. Um, and uh, as, as the pandemic wore on and, and we had a phased sort of reopening uh, in the state, we were able to get patients back into uh, into the office. Um, it turns out that, again, from a patient experience perspective, I can tell you uh, patients would often report to me that they actually preferred the ability to do telehealth visits rather than being stuck in traffic or, or of course, putting themselves at risk with regards to the pandemic and infection. Um, and we uh, realized pretty rapidly that there's many conveniences offered through the idea of being able to provide telehealth uh, to patients. Um, so uh, sort of 
if you want to call it a silver lining of the pandemic, which is, sounds morbid, but um, we were sort of rapidly pushed into the ability to to implement telehealth procedures. Um, and again, patients were extremely satisfied with that. Um, something that um, just came to mind that 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 is certainly a possibility, although we have not luckily had to experience this now that we have gone back to in-person um, visits uh, for many of our patients in, in a safe masked environment, um, you know, should we experience some kind of negative outcome, such as an outbreak in one of our buildings, this idea of RTLS does allow us to maybe even contact trace a little bit what what occurred and be able to figure out who was in what rooms when. Uh, lucky for us, that hasn't happened yet, but just a, a potential side benefit of, of the idea of real-time location services that allows us to almost automatically contact trace the, the source of an infection. So. I could just, if I could okay, chime in there, um, and, and it's it's kind of good that Dr. Lakani doesn't know this because not everybody should. We actually have had that situation already happen. Um, we have had, <laughs> sorry, we have had a COVID positive patient that we were unaware was COVID positive um, in one of our clinics in this building, and it was in a different department from Dr. Lakani, and it it was so reassuring for everybody involved from this, for the staff and the physician, for us to be able to, again, look at that data. We knew exactly how long the patient had been in the room. We knew exactly how long each staff member was in contact with that patient. Yes, everybody was masked. And so um, in the time that that happened, we did not have at all a negative outcome. So it was very, very reassuring for everybody that we could, we could identify who had been in contact with that patient and take a look at how long were we at risk? Did we need to follow any other different protocols related to quarantine or anything along those lines? And you know, for an MA to hear you were only with the patient for a minute and a half, it's okay, was very, very comforting to the staff. Yeah. And much more yeah. difficult to get that information without the technology? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because yeah. your perception is, oh, I was in the room. I was in the room for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of, of course, people are fearful, understandably so. Yeah, it's, right. I, I can't yeah. speak. I, Suzanne and Megan know this about me. I'm relatively a broken record when it comes to these kinds of things. But <laughs> our ability for recall bias, if you heard you were in a room with a patient with COVID, you thought you were in there for two days when in Absolutely. reality mm-hmm. you were only in there for a minute. <laughs> and we can show you the data. And so I'm, I'm sort of a, a data geek when it comes to those kinds of things of being able to actually provide re- real information upon which to make a, a meaningful decision. So, Megan, for people who love data, um, this is great, right? You want to know flow, you know, because otherwise you're just guessing, like you said, and it could be yeah. your perception. But this is beautiful data to people that want to improve the flow, the processes, make things super efficient. Yes, the ability to have, again, the automated automatic and continuous data being collected. Um, And we're so thankful. It's been, um, to Dr. Lakani's point, you know, we never want our partners and those that are utilizing our technology to maybe need all of the benefits of it, such as contact tracing. But because it's not a separately purchased module, our customers that have location-based intelligence deploy could leverage that use case um, during COVID among have you know, a user interface that could be adaptable and help them, you know, flux 
space as they're trying to plan for a surge or um, be able to identify special care units themselves or have new workflows put in place um, for navigating those situations during this time. It's been a, a privilege to be able to help customers um, provide great quality patient care, you know, during this pandemic time that they didn't know that they would would need, and they had the systems in place to be able to to do just what Suzanne said to reassure their staff members, make instant reports, the time that it takes to manually collect data, um, especially if things aren't being charted, <laughs> you wouldn't know all the interactions that a patient had. Um, with a staff member, but when you have the reassurance to be able to run a report um, in a couple of seconds during a work day, right after something has come to your attention, you can uh, be confident in knowing how to, to proceed forward. Megan, one another question. Quick, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go I'm ahead, just going to tell you one other really quick story because it's not a COVID story. Um, way prior to COVID, we had a very similar instance with a patient with MRSA. Um, that we were not aware had MRSA had come into our clinic and same type of information was able to be gathered. And that was a few years ago. Um, so contacting that, ensuring that we had different protocols within those rooms and making sure that we prevented any kind of infection spread. Yeah. And for those on you know, the call or CIO audience, I think what's really great about having technology in place that your end users can have access to, to data and permissions are such where you know you have appropriate levels of security groups or people that can access that detail um, is maintained. You're not having to burden you know, a IT department to be able to write a new query for data or extract it in a different way. It's very easy for users to get at the information that they need. Megan, audience question for you. Uh, sure. It's basically, uh, do you use RFID technology? Ah, interesting. Yep. So in the realm of real-time locating systems, you can leverage uh, RFID technology for specific type. And so there is active and passive. The short answer is yes. Um, again, really, there isn't a technology in place that we can't utilize it uh, in for. So if there were specific questions about whether it's asset tracking or patient flow, um, when speaking broadly about what you want to put into place, we work to understand uh, the degree of precision that you would like to have. So whether you just need an approximate location of something or at a granular level, um, room level coverage like Oregon Medical Group has, and then what solution is going to work for your organization. But um, yes, would be the answer. So there's, op there's some options that you work through with the customer based on, you know, their situation and what they're interested in doing. Yep. So our alignment is that we want to support those that we work with and what's important to them. So at the end, even though, you know, if we were to map things out, myself as an individual, I'm pretty far removed from the patients that are being served at Oregon Medical Group, but they're top of mind. Um, and so to be able to set things in place so that that patient experience, that staff experience is what you want, there's so many layers to consider. And when making um, decisions about the technology that's in place, we have to think not only of the end user experience, but the management of it, and then the IT um, experience, and through the total life cycle of procuring your technology, installing it, and then sustaining it, and being able to make future changes. 
Um, so we want to partner in a way from the beginning that helps us meet your needs today and grow with you. Very good. All right. Let's go to the next question. Suzanne, let's start with you. How have you prioritized new technology implementations? This is, uh, you know, in a, I think this is a really important question. You know, we talk to CIOs and other IT leaders, and we talk about the importance of governance. Um, you have a certain bucket of money, and you've got a billion requests, right? So you, you, there has to be a process by which you figure out what you're going to do that's going to align with the organization's goals, the, the business goals or the operational goals. Um, so how do, uh, what's the process over there? And, you know, obviously, RTLS bubbled to the top as something, hey, we want to spend some money. We want to do this. So tell me about that process. Yes, in, in a, a pre-COVID world, uh, we have several different, uh, we have three different committees that are our physician dyad committee. Of, and Dr. Lakani mentioned one earlier, he's the physician dyad for quality and safety. And I have a physician dyad for innovation care transformation. And our third committee is our IT committee. And so as ideas bubble up through each of those three committees, um, the directors and medical directors will ultimately present different ideas to our tactics committee and, and take a look at what decisions look like for that and where the priority is. We, we work really hard to identify what problem we're trying to solve and if the solution that's coming forward will solve that problem for us. Um, but we will definitely spend a lot of time identifying what the problem is first and then going out to seek technology. So that's sort of how our structure works from a pre-COVID world. Um, in our COVID world, our, our committees have been bombarded by the immediate need for solutions. And I'll point to the endocrinology for one, um, in trying to keep patients out of the clinic that have diabetes, we instantly worked towards a platform that had uh, the ability to collect remote data from folks, uh, blood glucose machines, I believe it was, Dr. Lakani. And so how do we access that data without making those patients come into the office, which had been our previous process. They came in, they brought their device, we downloaded the device, and we went with that. We've found this technology platform where they can upload it and the data comes to us, and there doesn't have to be that direct patient interaction. Super, definitely more efficient for everybody involved, and also continues to help keep folks safe. So some of those things didn't go through our normal process in COVID because everything was happening so quickly, but we are now sort of back to this um, discussion and collaboration between the, the various ideas of quality IT and innovation and bringing all three of those committee folks together to work together to figure out what our priorities are. And I'll just maybe speak to the, um, the, the sort of uh, future of what we think we will be doing uh, only because this sort of is relevant for our organization and perhaps other organizations. Uh, you know, those priorities uh, in terms of how we implement technology um, are driven by what 
what seems to be occurring in the healthcare world around us. And, and our organization for a while has been moving towards the concepts and ideas uh, related to value-based care delivery, centering our patient delivery around the patient, or sorry, care delivery around the patient uh, and thinking about population health management. And so uh, I imagine as we move into the next year, several years, we think about how does technology help us leverage our care delivery in those arenas uh, as we understand that that sort of is a place where we need to become more agile uh, in delivering that type of care. So um, although Suzanne and I don't make those decisions single-handedly, uh, those are the things that we understand our organization uh, in terms of its leadership is thinking about movement, movement. And so then as we think about what kinds of technologies are available to help us excel in that, um, we'll be looking at that and then thinking about how to implement. So I don't know, Suzanne, if that sounds true to you. Absolutely. Yeah, that it, we, we look at the issues we're trying to work towards, what problems we have and barriers we have to get to what the ultimate organizational goals are, and then off, very often look to, is there a technological solution that will help us get there? And as someone, as a technology partner, I have the privilege of being able to witness some of the organizational changes and leadership structure the Oregon Medical Group has gone through, as well as how they're navigating things and other healthcare entities are navigating things. Uh, in 2020, every department was hit hard <laughs> in different ways, whether you know, we saw projects being put on hold and the need to be able to quickly reprioritize, needing to consider what are our resources today, um, having uncertainty about what will be our ability to budget or have capital expenditures in the future, not knowing because revenue flow changed very much. Um, in 2020 for people. And I think that for this audience, what I'd like to reiterate that uh, Dr. Lakani and Suzanne get to experience is this physician executive dyad where you have physician championship um, and leadership and input on decisions. It's very much a collaborative and inclusive decision-making methodology that Oregon Medical Group models. And they're making uh, decisions not based only on um, price or acute need, but about thinking of, you know, what's going to meet our needs today? What do we really have to triage? And um, even though we have to make that decision, what's truly going to support that long-term play, such as Dr. Connie mentioned, what's working us towards, uh, you know, the patient health, population health um, in value-based care. So I think mm -hmm. that that's something I would circle up and offer to our CIO audience is that concept of being inclusive in decision making and having that patient care, business care, technology, business case, um, and all in one from the beginning. Megan, a lot of the people that are, are, have, are on today and that are going to listen to the webinar are in health systems with hospitals, um, yeah. which is, is not the case with the Oregon Medical Group. Is there any different information, messaging, value prop, use cases, anything you want to cover for that audience that, that is relevant? Yeah, thanks for, for mentioning that. And it's interesting in the healthcare space, um, the different 
you know, systems that we have. And I think that although Oregon Medical Group is not part of a hospital system, they're greatly impacted by that. And the patients that they care for, um, they're in essence trying to prevent them from being in the hospital and they need to have that awareness and continuity of that. So even though they're not a hospital system, I think that they definitely, uh, you know, are impacted (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. by the nature of care there. Um, for those that are in hospital systems, some of the use cases that we've talked about to know that they're really relevant for all patient flow. So again, uh, what they have deployed in license is our clinic solution, but with real-time um, location technology, uh, in for location-based intelligence can be for asset optimization, specific ED workflows or procedural, um, as well as inpatient behavioral health rounding. So I think that it would just be good to know um, the confidence that we are deployed in many large healthcare systems, um, some that are across the nation. So we mm-hmm. can be, you can start just with one hospital and expand um, or be in a outpatient clinic or one surgery center. Um, I think that the use cases that we've talked about today would be applicable for really Mm -hmm. any system online. I'd actually like to highlight something that Megan pointed out there, and that's about assets, um, which are certainly a greater importance Mm -hmm. in a hospital system than in a a clinic setting. But we do use the the location-based technology in our multi-specialty clinic for our wheelchairs. But something as very basic as our wheelchairs Whenever you're looking for a wheelchair, you never know where it is. And when you need one, it's not where you need it to be. Um, Our product and how we have our wheelchairs tagged will tell us exactly where every wheelchair in the building is. So we are able to even have technology and data tracking the use of that. Um, It hasn't come up yet, but it could be we need more wheelchairs. And then we'd be able to have the, the supporting data behind that desire for a new asset. But the yeah. asset tracking aspect um, from a physical standpoint is, is great. The other asset is our folks and our people. Um, and because our people are also badged to be able to provide this continuous updating of tracking. Um, I know for me, whenever I go over to the building and I need specifically to see somebody and I don't want to go looking through a large, large location with two floors and seven clinics, um, I'll I'll just look up on the system where they are, <laughs> and then I'm able to just go right. find them. Very good. All right, uh, Suzanne, let's start with you on this. Um, you know, you're you're the director of innovation, so you better be a leader in innovation, or you're in trouble, right? Right. Um, good job. <laughs> we we talked a lot about um, some of the benefits uh, that you've achieved prior to the pandemic, during the pandemic. Um, what are some things you see down the road? any future use cases you could see applying to the technology too? Oh, great question. Um, Again, before this year, who would have thought all the different ways that we would have used this? Um, It's very interesting. I was on a conference call early this morning at seven o'clock and and this technology-based system came up. It was for a completely different uh, location as our infusion center was trying to identify and somebody in the, the group asked the question about, I wonder how often our chairs are being used. I wonder what the usage of our chairs are in our infusion center. And I piped up and I said, if we only had that at this mm-hmm. location, wouldn't that be great? And so I, I definitely see the ability to, to use it in all of our clinics ultimately, which would be outstanding. 
um, I'm not sure what, what comes at us next in terms of how we would use the tracking um, methodology that we have. For what we've done so far, it's been exceptional. Um, and just the, the benefits to what's happened for our, our people and our patients have been extraordinary. Um, a, a funny side story, we had one of our medical assistants and we weren't officially tracking this, but when we first started, um, he commented that his steps went from 20,000 a day down to 5,000 a day and he needed to go join a gym because he wasn't getting uh -huh. as he used to get. <laughs> and so it sounds so unusual that that would be an outcome of location-based technology, but it, it just, it was, there was so much more time to do other things. So I don't know about the systems that everybody's in, but for us, staffing is an issue and, and having staff shortages is an issue. So as we look to leverage the people that we do have to work at their highest level of licensure and find those areas of opportunity for improvement and efficiency, the data that we get from our location-based technology is instrumental in helping us to look towards what could we do differently? How could we leverage our folks differently and then move on from there? Yeah, I'll so just... Dr. Lacan, go ahead. I, I was going to say, Su Suzanne is what I would have to call an evangelist. She is very excited about it. She's so excited. It's great. You know, well, listen, you find something, it works for you, you love it, you want everyone to know, right? You got to yeah. use this stuff. So it's Absolutely. very Absolutely. interesting. Dr. Lacani, um, Future uses from a clinical point of view, you have anything kicking around in your head that, hey, you know, maybe we could do it here, over there? Yeah, so so this is something I've been thinking about, at, you know, as I was maybe asked to be on this conference. I have, I have uh, Megan and Suzanne will will laugh at this, but I have oftentimes just kind of way out of the box thinking and, and whether that's useful or not, the CIOs on the call can decide. But, uh, <laughs> you know, right now, this idea is, is confined to the location in which we use this. So for example, Oregon Medical Group has 10 physical locations and right now it's in our largest location uh, in the use of this real-time location services. But we all know patients don't live in our building. They live in the world and they are doing what they do. So they have a location at all times. Imagine if you could now take a diabetic who is thinking about their, their healthcare and, and they don't just have diabetes when they're in our building, but they have diabetes when they're out in the real world and they're doing what they have. And, and they actually are being located all the time with their cell phone. So if the location service wasn't limited to the structure of our building and I'm a diabetic and I'm on a pump system that actually insulin pump system that actually measures my glucose and monitors and delivers insulin in a particular setting. Imagine if you start utilizing data that says, Oh, as I drive down this road towards this place, it starts to learn and understand that, oh, you're going towards the gym. And when you go to the gym, your blood sugars go down. And so maybe mm. I should decrease the insulin delivery as you're going towards the gym. Or on the other hand, I'm going towards the, you know, buffet restaurant because <laughs> I know the location. And generally when I go to the buffet restaurant, I need more insulin. So let me go ahead and start amping up the insulin, right? So as we start thinking about actually in fact, where do patients spend their time and how does real-time location start to integrate into a much more, um, you know, uh, a vast system uh, in which things are actually being, being modulated based on, in part, location. That's not the only thing mm -hmm. that modulates mm -hmm. 
on blood glucose. Mm -hmm. but, but you start taking yeah. in data from all the different things. Of course, there's lots of, I'm sure people are worried about privacy issues and those kinds of things. Yes, uh, of course. Uh, but thinking about how can a system like this be utilized, uh, you know, I'm sure in other arenas as far as cardiac care or GI care or other primary care, what if there was a way to utilize this system to help ensure that in a world in which we need two vaccinations of COVID, once you've come in for your first one, how are we keeping track so that you are making sure you make your second one? You could imagine that our RTLS system could be utilized to help in notifying at the appropriate window, a, a notification goes to your phone, it's time for you to go back into your location and get the, get the second in injection. You know, how are we integrating this with other pieces of the technology we use? Um, you know, there, there's lots of different things that one could think about. Well, Megan, it sounds like Dr. Lacani has, has lots of ideas for you, but the only problem is if the gym is next to the buffet. Right, it's those two. can be confusing. There's usually those things seem to coincide, and I <laughs> I do love Dr. Lacani's brilliant, innovative patient centered mind. I don't know that I've heard um, a suggestion that included machine learning, predictive analytics, like real time locating, interoperability, all in one thing focused on diabetic care. Um, Megan, in so my world, those things already exist. Yes, <laughs> I know, brain, I least. know. They already exist and they happen like that, which is probably often, you know, the scenario that RCIOs on the call encounter where leaders say, I want this, just make it happen. It's technology, it's simple. And we know that the, the architecture and design and how things speak to one another it can take time to, to get there and put that in place. Um, so from a incremental standpoint, one pathway that I see for the current functionality of, of location-based intelligence is we're working more and more in a remote world. We know that um, healthcare entities and hospital systems might have people, you know, staffing part-time on site and then they're remote and at least have visibility to operational flow. Um, in real time when you're at your house or you're not physically present on site. In uh, those that are working towards being a high-functioning lean healthcare system, the importance of being able to see that day-to-day -day work and kind of walk the site um, is now a luxury um, or there's some risk associated with being present at a facility that you may not have experienced before. So I see this being utilized in a way to have remote, uh, uh, you know, visibility to to the day to day um, occurrence of of what's going on. So, not quite to the to Dr. Lacani's, you know, twenty thirty vision of <laughs> being able to adjust. <laughs> Very good. All right. Uh, now, Suzanne. Now, you can't say go buy in for. All right. So. Let's just pretty, I don't know if you did an RFP um, when you were looking for it, but we're, what is your advice for people that, you know, they want to get into the market, they want to look at this, they're curious, that maybe they're further along in the buying process. What are the key elements of selecting the right partner for this technology? Yeah, I think that that's good. Um, the, the key element, again, for us is what is your problem that you're trying to solve? Um, for us, it was a tiny waiting room and not lack of visibility for over two floors to seven clinics, PT and imaging. How do we move patients from one area to another? That was our problem. Um, and 
how do we solve that problem led us to the technology decision. So my, my advice would be, make sure you really understand the problem you're trying to solve or any partner that you go with or any technology that you go with as everyone on the call would know, it's not gonna wind up doing what you need it to do. All the other side benefits that came out of it were not things that anybody ever expected. We just needed to move patients from a centralized check-in point to a room on another floor. And that was our problem. What about, but what about, you know, you got vendor A, B, and C. Let's say they all three of them can solve the problem to some degree. What are you looking for in terms of engagement, responsiveness, customer service, attention to detail? I'm guessing you could get Megan on the phone at any hour just from the way she's coming across that it seems very responsive, very interested in helping. Not every vendor is going to be that way. Um, any other thoughts around picking the right vendor? I think somebody who understands those priorities of your organization is, is critically important. There are a lot of different technology solutions that are out there. Um, and if you find that partnership that has the ability to understand what you're trying to solve and reflects your values of where you're trying to get to as an organization, then that becomes a good long-term partner for you. Excellent. Excellent answer. Dr. Lakani, your thoughts on finding, you know, well, what are you looking for? You're not, you're not buying the technology, right? There's other people that are handling that, vetting the vendors. But when you are engaging down the road with that vendor, and I'm sure you've had good experiences and not so good experiences, what do you want to see? Yeah, I think uh, it it may have been said, and and but I'll say it sort of in a different way: is the ability to, uh, you know, access that partner and and have them have that shared vision that you might have with regards to where you see your current state and your future state. Uh, the ability to work with them, uh, an openness and willingness to learn on you know what what are the issues at hand, uh, rather than simply trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, just trying to figure out exactly what is our problem. So I think that openness, that degree of communication, uh, the willingness to listen and learn, I think are, are key components of, of who the right partner is. And, and, and you know, that, that works well for us at Oregon Medical Group. Uh, we, we, we've found a good partner and we are able to do those, those kinds of things uh, when it comes to this, this particular technology. Mm -hmm. Well, we're almost out of time, but Megan, I want to give you a final chance to uh, a final thought, a parting parting gift for our audience, uh, something you want to send them away with. Sure. I'll take a moment to just um, add on to the point of discussion that we're having right now um, is that I'd encourage CIOs to, as Suzanne mentioned, have uh, clarity and really distilling down what is the problem that they're trying to solve and understand your non-negotiables, understand what's going to contribute to the kind of experience that you want with a partner. Um, some key considerations might be data security, making sure that they meet those requirements, um, understanding your access to your data. Are there going to be future barriers or do you truly own your data? Um, that's something that we believe in greatly at Infor, that location-based intelligence, you own and have access to your data, which might seem very simple, but isn't always the case with partners. And then to Dr. Lakani's point, it's a relationship. So having a communication um, that works for you, are there going to be barriers to accessing, you know, support? Um, how responsive are they? And then mm. what are your total needs? We see more and more organizations when they're looking to implement something 
such as location-based intelligence wanting managed services, maybe, you know, as they are leaning down on IT or on-hand services at their organization, they need to make sure that they have a complete solution in place. Um, and then it's been iterated by Dr. Lasani and Suzanne, but someone that meets you with the, the values and aligns to um, you as, you know, an organization and that gives you a lot of confidence to be able to grow and navigate, you know, our partnership with Oregon Medical Group began well before the pandemic and will continue on well after and we're able to make adjustments that they've navigated, you know, discussions and changing EHRs and staffing changes and service changes and the pandemic, you know, lots of things, um, but we're able to maintain that because we, we aligned at that core level. So that would be my lasting thought, other than if anybody has, of course, interest um, or desire to learn more about employee location-based intelligence, we have a, a full offering across um, to meet your needs for whether it's a hospital system or a specific clinic like Oregon Medical Group. So hopefully I'll get a chance to talk with everyone that is doing uh, this webinar today. Very good. All right, that's about all we had time for today regarding continuing education. You can use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this event is ready for viewing. If you'd like to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and go to our website to register for upcoming events. With that, I want to very much thank our panel, Dr. Vipul Lakani, Suzanne Roloff, and Megan Butler, and I want to thank Infor for sponsoring the event and helping us share a lot of good information. And I want to thank you, our attendees. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you.